Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Uh, I want to thank those that had uh, taken part in our series called In Words. Um, we have to say that carefully after our little experience in the uh, <laughs> Julie's talking to Tari over the uh, over I guess it was dog days and we're standing there giving hot dogs away and tell, says to Tari I guess you're, you're, this week is your week to bring the N word and one of the folks standing at the dog, hot dog was like what and this N word. Okay, and so uh, it, it was a funny, I guess you had to be there, but it was funny to us. I don't know. Tari and I had a good laugh. Julie and I had a good laugh about it. It was hilarious. But I, I appreciate uh, them taking part in that. Tari spoke, Danny spoke, Miranda, LaDon, and I've listened to most of them all the way through and uh, did a phenomenal job. And so we're excited that, that God can give words other than just to me. You're, listen, if I'm the only one that can get a word, we're in trouble. And so I'm thankful that God has blessed us with people that can get a word. Let me, let me give you this before we go, go this morning in this new direction. At the end of service today, uh, when, when I'm finished bringing you the word, we're going to do something. We're, I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray, but we're going to join over a million people t- today are taking part in an event called um, A Call to Fall, where on the July 4th weekend we are being called to bow on our knees and to call out and cry out to God in repentance for our nation and ask God to allow revival to sweep back into our nation. Over a million people are doing that right now as we speak or throughout this day, and we're going to take part in that at the end of service today. So I just want you to get your hearts ready. New new series. There's a a word I've been thinking about. If you know me very well, one of the things that you know about me is I am scared of heights. I'm chicken when it comes to heights. I don't like heights. When I was traveling all the time, it was all I could do to uh, calm my nerves to fly. In fact, I had a particular guy, those of you who went to retreat, his name is Bear. I would put his music on my iPod and I would listen to it because it would calm me down because I don't like heights. And so this morning I want to talk to you about the concept of above. And I get nervous when you use the word above because it deals with this concept of being higher than. It deals with prominence. It deals with position. But it also deals with distance. And what I've discovered in in my studies and as I've been reading is that throughout Scripture, There are various occasions, we're going to look at three different ones over the next three weeks, where God instructs us with the word above. And so I really want you to be thinking about what God says to us when he says to deal with the the concept of above. Above deals with perspective. It deals with how we see things. It deals where we're positioned in life. And so this morning I want you to join me in Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, verses 23 through 27, I'm only going to read the very first verse to you, and then we'll come back to the, the latter portion in just a moment. But Solomon is writing, the wisest man on the face of the planet, and he writes this statement. Listen to this, this above statement. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. From it. Now, you got to understand what's going on here. The wisest man on the planet is about to offer us advice on how to live our lives. And he makes an above statement. Now, what he could have done is he could have done what 
some some kids did when he was giving us advice. He said he could have said like this. He could have said what Michael said. Michael's 14 years old, and he could have said this. He could have said, "Above all, when your dad is mad, mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer him." That could have been his wise advice that would have carried us through our teenage years and made sure that we survived, right? He could have said what Michael said about his his mom. Above all else, never tell your mom her diet's not working. How many of you know Michael's probably not a real functional child right now? He's got some issues, right? Maybe the advice he could have given us was what the nine-year-old said when she said, Above all else, never hold a dustbuster and a cat at the same time. Yeah, that's pretty good advice. That's a that's a good and above statement, right? You know, so or maybe maybe what Naomi said, 15 years old. She says, "Above all else, if you want a kitten, start out asking for a horse." Thank you. That's why, man. That's wise. Teenagers, young people, you should take that wisdom. That's that's deep right there. We probably, uh, uh, man. I need to give an altar call right now. That's deep. All right. Or maybe what Joel said, he's 10. He said, above all else, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. Uh, that's wisdom right there, right? That's wisdom for the age, right? So, But Solomon didn't do all that. What Solomon did was he made this statement. He said, above all else, guard your heart. His above statement should grab our attention and cause us to recognize the importance of our heart. He could have said, above all else, get a good education, because education is important. He could have said, above all else, work on your body and tune it to a fine-tuned instrument, and you'll be the greatest athlete to ever grace the planet. He didn't say that. He said, above all else, guard your heart. He could have said, above all else, train your mind. Above all else, train your 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 mouth. He could have said, train your body. All of these things he could have said, above all else, but he stops and he says, when I really think this thing through, the wisest statement that I can give you and the greatest advice that I can give you is, above all else, guard your heart. In other words, our heart should receive the greatest amount of attention. Our heart should receive the greatest amount of focus and, and work and diligence. We should spend more time working on our heart than we work on anything else in our life. And Solomon recognized that. See, most of us try to protect our homes. I don't know about your house, but at my house we have an alarm system. I'm concerned about protecting my home. We get security lights that we turn on because we want to guard our home. We get the ADT signs. There you go, Mike. That was a good plug for you. The ADT signs. Mike works at ADT. And uh, we put them out uh, Put them out in the yard make sure that nobody thinks that we're not there. We, we get timers and put them on our lights so that if we're gone, they turn on at the right. We, we spend time trying to secure our homes. Some of you uh, are, uh, carry uh, you went and got you a little license that allows you to carry yourself a little weapon so that you're securing yourself. I, I want to conceal this weapon so that I can protect my physical body and my family and my friends. I'm concerned about protecting us, so I, I'm, I'm diligent about that. Some of us have been taught to conceal or to protect our identity. 
We'll even pay monthly fees to get the company that has the truck that goes by with your social security on, number on it so nobody can steal our identity. We are concerned about protecting all of those things. But the problem with all that is I've discovered is as diligent as we are as protecting our home and as diligent as we are in protecting our identity and as diligent as we are in protecting all of those elements, for some reason we often fail to protect our hearts. We're not as diligent as we should be. Too many Christians, I believe, have switched on to cruise control. And we believe that once we meet Jesus that we can coast through life and we try to live our Christian life with little to no effort. Once I meet Jesus, everything's just supposed to be hunky-dory. This is a cakewalk. It ought to be easy, and I don't have to work at this anymore. And so we apply no spiritual energy and no diligence. Too often we think I'm saved, my heart has been cleansed, my job is finished, my heart will never need any more attention. And what the writer declares is that the most precious commodity you have and the thing that needs your most attention is your heart. See, everybody is... um talking about heart health these days. You go into a restaurant, you pull out the menu, and they have these little logos beside the meals so you can know which ones to buy because they're healthy for your heart. I just skip right over those because that means they're no good. But uh, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> heart health determines what kind of cereal we buy. I mean, I'm eating Cheerios. Give me a break. Who wants to eat Cheerios? No, che I, we feed Cheerios to babies. We don't. Well, I'm supposed to be eating like Lucky Charms and Cocoa Pebbles and, and sugar snacks and golden. You know what I'm saying, okay? But we eat Cheerios because they're good for our heart and our cholesterol. We we can even go to the hospital now and get a heart scan to find out what our heart condition is. And I wonder why the writer thought that it was so important to check our heart. I think maybe if we're concerned about heart health, that maybe we ought to pay attention to what Solomon said and go back and do a heart scan this morning and make sure that our heart is right. I wonder why that if he is so wise and so infused with wisdom, why would he say, guard your heart? Maybe he had a revelation of... Uh, uh, that, that would come along later in, uh, from Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the prophet says this, the heart is deceitful, here's this word again, above all things, and it's beyond cure. That's a scary statement. Maybe he knew that if we aren't careful to guard our hearts, that a sick heart is almost incurable. Could it be that he knew that if we don't manage our heart, that left our own devices, we will crash, we will burn, and we will take others with us on that ride down? Maybe he understood. Maybe it was because he would somehow, looking forward, had the same revelation that Jesus had when in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, a scary passage of Scripture that says this, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So if Jeremiah was right and the heart is deceitful above all things and Jesus was right and all of these evil things flow out of our heart, then I, I would say to us this morning that we above all things have to watch out for our hearts because Jesus understood that the result of an unguarded heart is destruction. 
is it really possible? Is it truly plausible that the root of all murder, all divorce, the root of affairs, the the root of immorality, the root of stealing, the root of lying, the root of grudges, the root of gossip, the root of all crimes isn't our eyes, but our heart, because we always blame it on our eyes. Uh, He's been unfaithful in my marriage because he saw that pretty thing. No, he didn't have an eye problem. He had a heart problem. Yeah, well, she's just a gossip. That's just the way she is. She's got a mouth problem. No, she doesn't have a mouth problem. She's got a heart problem. Well, it's just lack of work ethics. Just never learned a good, no. They have a heart condition. That's what Jesus and Jeremiah understood, that that what goes on in our heart produces results in our life. I am convinced this morning that most of us are living with a heart condition. There are four heart conditions I just want to mention briefly to you. I think most of us are living in in the first three, and it concerns me as believers that this would be the condition we have. There's a fourth that I think we should move into, but I think most of us, if we're not careful, if, if we're not diligent about our hearts, that most of us are living in this first condition, and it's we're living with a dented heart. We have this damaging hurt that comes into our life from a spouse, from a friend, from a college roommate, from from a father, from a mother, from a history, from our past. There's a heart ding that happens. We're dented. We're damaged. And we allow the pain that came into our heart at that moment to dictate to us the rest of our lives. And we live with this heart condition and we're bruised and we're battered and we're in so much pain that it drives us to do things that we would never do otherwise. The glaring example that begs to be shared is the lady who, the the, the man that she loved and gave her trust and her, her allegiance to walks away and this beautiful, put together, intelligent, desirable woman will end up with a scumbag for sure. Am I right? They all you, you look at them and go, why would you go to that? Come on, y'all don't look at me like that. I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about her, right? Why Why would she go to the, why with everything that she has going for her, with the beauty inside and out, with the abilities in town, why would she settle for this sleazebag? Because she's got a dented heart. What do you run to? Or who do you run to? Who are you willing to settle for? Because your heart has been damaged. And this heart condition has caused you to live broken. I just came to tell somebody this morning, you need to be reminded of this. I think you know this. But you need to remember that God specializes in dealing with dented hearts. God is a specialist. He is a heart specialist. And he he desires and wants to work on your heart. And he has the, it's like paintless hell repair. Y- y'all had that done on your car? Uh, my, my little new mini car, Cooper I'm driving around had had it one day. It wasn't hailing. I pulled out to the ballpark and uh, uh, I'm sitting on the phone and my oldest decides to throw a baseball up because it's, because he's just a kid, and throws it up right next to my car and misses. Boom! First day. Are you kidding me? He's still alive, so you know that I was sanctified that day. Otherwise, I'd have killed him. Dentless, 
paint, paintless dent repair, right? That is a dynamic picture of what God does. He is able to work behind the scenes. He knows about your pain. He can deal with your pain. He can pop your pain out to the place that nobody ever even knows you were hurt if you let him. That's why they call him the bomb of Gilead. He removes the poison and removes the scar. There's another way to say that. Isaiah said it like this. I love this passage of Scripture. He said, he won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. Think about that. that is that you this morning? We think God's thrown us away because we're damaged. But what I'm saying and trying to remind you this morning, if you're living with a dented heart, can I tell you this morning that according to Isaiah, he says, God won't brush you away into the sun. Another way it's said is this, a bruised reed he will not break. The second heart condition that many of us live with is that we live with a distracted heart. A double-minded mind, a double-minded man, say that fast three times. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A divided heart is a distracted heart. A torn heart is a troubled heart. This generation may be the most distracted generation to ever walk the face of the planet. We all want to say amen, thinking we're talking about the teenagers, but how do you think they got so distracted? We've been distracted. We've got ADD and ADHD and, and so much CHAOS and so much confusion that we end up with APATHY. I think I spelled it apathy. APATHY. Yeah, apathy. <laughs> Whew, that's too many letters, right? That's what happens is we allow all of this distraction to keep us from being singularly focused. I, I just got a question for you this morning. What happened to the Psalm 24-7 folks? Y'all, some of you are going, got to think about that one. I don't know what that says. May I read it to you this morning? Listen to what the psalmist said. He said, one thing I have asked from the Lord that, and that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days uh, all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. We don't know how to live a focused life because we're so distracted. All I know is that the people I used to run into when I was a teenager as a Christian, all the Christians I knew were focused and they were on, on course for one thing. And now we can't get none of you to focus on one thing long enough to get anything done. Y'all ain't helping me none this morning. Y'all got quiet while I was gone. I don't know if I like that too much, but uh, one thing, one thing. Are you focused this morning? Because if you're not focused on him, then your life is destined to fall apart and be unstable in all your ways. The third condition that many of us live in is that and it's probably the most serious and dangerous is that we live with a deceived heart. We won't take real stock of where we stand spiritually or relationally. We, the worst kind, hear me this morning, the worst kind of deception is self-deception. When you have deceived yourself to think that you are what you're not and that you're further along in your spiritual walk than you really are, that is the most dangerous kind of deception that you can be deceived with because most of the time we will even be honest with others before we're honest with ourselves. 
And what I am saying to you this morning is that many of us need to have that David moment where we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I'm the man. I'm the one. I'm the one that did wrong. I'm the one that's not doing what I should be doing. I'm the one that hasn't been faithful. I'm the one that hasn't been holy. I'm the one that hasn't been sanctified. I'm the one that hasn't sought God with all of my heart. We need a moment of clarity and, and realness where we look at ourselves and go, I refuse to be deceived any longer because I just want to tell you this morning everybody else's honesty won't do you one bit of good until you become honest with yourself your friends can be honest with you your spouse can be honest with you your counselor can be honest with you your pastor can be honest with you and it won't do you one bit of good until you come to this place where you quit living with a deceived heart uh, you don't believe that? Come on, parents, think about this. You see your teenage daughter that you've trained up in the way she should go, and she falls for an idiot, and you look at her and going, he's an idiot. And she goes, no, he's not. He's so cute. Have you seen his rear in those jeans? He's the best thing that ever happened to me. And you're going, idiot, idiot, can't hold a job, has no respect, doesn't even put deodorant on. And we'll go, oh, no, because we're deceived. Y'all laugh at them, but y'all have done the same thing. Some of y'all in and out of a marriage already because other people tried to tell you that you weren't ready or maybe you ought to pray about this. And you go, oh, I met him in the bar and he was cute in the bar. Or I met her at the at that date thing, man, and it's all, it's all on. I'll get him saved. I'll get her saved. Yeah, right. And you were so deceived that now you find yourself broken. Y'all want, y'all want me to go back to Bethany now, aren't you? People look at you and go, quit using your credit card, and we're so deceived that we go, oh, we got to keep using it. Got to. Got to compete with people we don't even like. Come on. We're deceived. The, the fourth level, here's where we need to get. The condition of our heart that God wants us to get to is this, a devoted heart. That's where he wants us to live. Maybe David captures this thought best when he says in Psalm chapter 112, verse 7, he says, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. I'm just telling you, some of you need to get fixed. Your heart needs to become fixed on God. So how do we do that? How do we guard our hearts? How do we fix our hearts? Because what I've discovered is that when a pastor or a preacher or a teacher stands up and says, you need to guard your heart, we want some complex recipe. This is what i got to do to guard my heart. i got to do these things right here, and I'll get it all right. And we want to make it complicated. Teach me something deep, pastor. Come on. I, I, I need you to go deep, okay? We are educated beyond our level of obedience. We make it way too difficult. What I've discovered is that the, the wisest man on the planet says, guard your heart. Then he tells us how to do it. Imagine that. Could you kind of trace it into the New Testament and take me through 92 books of the Bible? There's not that many, but then could, you, could you take me to all these different books of the Bible and, and weave it all together? And when it's in, I'll go, wow. And we just forget to read what he said. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flow, flows from it. Listen to what he says, verse 24. Keep your mouth free of perversity. So y'all ain't going to like me now. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Then he goes on, he says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Then he says in verse 26, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. 
Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. When we begin to talk about heart health, we want complex recipes. And what the wisest man on the planet says is the first way you guard your your heart is easy. Guard your mouth. That's not complicated enough. Do you understand that the Bible declares very clearly that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaketh? In other words, if you want to know how your heart is doing, all you got to do is listen to what you're talking about. Listen to the words coming out of your mouth. Listen to what you laugh at. Deal with the target and the tenor of your conversations because corrupt talk, hear me, corrupt talk will corrupt your heart. That's not deep enough. I just wish some of you would guard your mouth. That's pretty deep. That's pretty difficult. We need some mouth managers in the room. Some of your hearts would be in a lot better condition if you'd quit talking about what you talk about with your friends at work. Some of you would be a lot better off in your marriage if you would quit talking about and saying the things that you say. Some of you would have better friends if you would control your mouth. I can't get no help in the room. That's all right. I'm just telling you we are so way, way, way too liberal with our mouth. We will say things now that we would have never said 20 years ago. I got friends, Christian friends and pastors that will use language that we would have kicked them out of church for 20 years ago. It's got no bearing. Really? All I know is it says to guard your mouth and to keep free of perversity and corrupt talk. If you're born again and you want to live a guarded life, guard your mouth. It's not deep enough. There are just some things you shouldn't talk about. There's just some words that shouldn't come out of your mouth. There's some topics that are off limits to you as a believer. The second thing he says, he said, guard your eyes. Have you ever felt like your eyes were under attack? Come on, guys. Maybe the, maybe the ladies don't feel this way, but, man, when I got to buy toothpaste and I got to look at bikini-clad women just to buy toothpaste, why is it that we're selling toothpaste with bikini-clad women? What in the world does that have to do with the health of my teeth? I don't understand. They don't have any impact on enamel. I feel like I'm on constant attack on my eyes. Do you understand? You've got to think about this now. The, the smartest man in the world said, guard your eyes because he understood this. Your eyes are the windows to your soul. What comes in your eyes goes right through your eyes, into your brain, and right smack dab into the middle of your spirit. That's why it matters what you look at on your computer. That's why it matters what movies you go to. Don't be claiming to be a Christian and tell me, oh, I went to see Hangover 2. Really? Give me a break. We're just going to go, this is entertainment to go watch people running their life through alcohol. That's really bright. I'm preaching, y'all ain't helping me none. See, y'all been, you had four people be nice to you. It's time for me to come in and kick you again, all right? I'm telling you that if you want to live a diligent life before God, the recipe is to watch what comes out of your mouth and guard your eyes so that you don't dissolve into destruction. Can I help you this morning? I used to help teenagers like this because some of y'all think I'm talking about temptation. I'm not talking about temptation. We're all tempted. 
I'm tempted every day. The difference is whether or not you guard your eyes to the point that you don't sin. How does that work? Well, let me, let me explain. Best example I've ever heard. You're driving out of your neighborhood, and there is this unbelievably beautiful woman mowing her yard in a very skimpy bikini. Don't say it doesn't happen because you know what happens. Some of you have seen it in your neighborhood. All right, you see her, and as you drive past her, you go, wow, that's temptation. When you circle the block, <laughs> y'all laughing at me, think that don't happen, but some of you back the TV control up. Some of you walk past that cubicle one more time. One of you throw her pin down so she has to, okay. Guard your eyes. You need to understand that if you're going to live a victorious Christian life, you can't watch what everybody else watches. You can't gaze on the wrong thing because if your eyes are drawn to it long enough, it will destroy you. I heard Dr. Beecham say one time that God gave him the perfect cure for this. He just takes his glasses off. Sometimes I wish my eyes were worse than they were. So I say, oh, i got to take that off. Not while I'm driving, but i got to take them off. Practical example of what we got to do. We got to guard our eyes. If our, guy, if our gaze is fixed on anything other than Him, we destroy ourselves. If our gaze gets fixed on our job, our family gets the shaft. If our gaze gets fixed on that other person's spouse, our spouse gets misused. Our eyes determine our heart condition. Then he says, listen, in verse 26, verse 27, he said, if you want to guard your heart, take care of your feet. Where your feet trod, your heart will follow. He says it exactly like this. He says, in one version it says, ponder where your feet will go. Think about that a moment. Ponder means to weigh mentally. It means to choose well. In other words, don't make rash decisions. Use wisdom in choosing your path of life. I just want to say this to somebody. Don't play the fool. You can be led astray. If we don't guard our feet and understand that our feet have the ability to take us off path. Anybody ever gone off path before? I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I've gotten off path before because I wouldn't watch where my feet were going. We've got to think about the fact that we've got to place ourselves in the right place. That means I cannot let my feet take me places that my spiritual life is not suited to handle. That was good. You ought to write that down. That means you might be strong enough to go to the club, but I doubt it. And if you aren't, then your feet shouldn't take you there. You, you, you might be strong enough spiritually to go out and eat with the person from the opposite sex. Both of you are married to somebody else, but I just happen to doubt it. You might be able to be strong enough to go out. Come on, y'all, get real. Guard your feet, and you'll stay on the path. Ponder it. Think about it before you get there. Well, I got there, and the enemy snuck up on me. No, he didn't. You didn't think about where my feet were taking me. Ponder it. You ought to wake up every morning of your life and say, if I go there, I know. There are places that some of you know that if you go, you will fall. There are relationships that some of you know if I spend time with them, my spiritual life is going to crash and burn. So why do you go spend time with them? Helping your heart this morning. Ponder. Weigh carefully. He makes this statement in verse 27, or in verse 26, he says, 
Be steadfast in all your ways. I just think that that's a foreign concept to the 21st century Christian. Be steadfast. In other words, be steady. Foreign words. Consistent. Faithful. You don't hear those words anymore. When I was growing up, I'll just tell you my, my, my story and then, and then you can take it or leave it. The Christians that I ran into as I was growing up were steadfast in attendance. They were steadfast in worship. They were steadfast in their families. They were steadfast in tithing. They were steadfast in praying. They were steadfast in reading the word. They were steadfast in their witness. They were steadfast in every aspect of their life. And I look back at them, and you know what I call them now? Heroes. Heroes of the faith. And now I can't get people to come to church if the lake is pretty. And I can't get people to tithe because I got a boat I want to buy. And I can't get a husband to stay with a wife because she's not the one I really wanted. And I can't get people to stay at a job more than two weeks because I'm always looking for something better. How about becoming steadfast for a little while and guarding your feet and stay on the path? Well, this isn't very deep, Steve. Listen, I am helping somebody this morning. Above all things, you recognize this morning that we are on a tightrope, and if I don't guard my eyes and I don't guard my mouth and I don't guard my feet, it's not very far, and before long, this thing will get shaky and wobbly, and I will find myself. Listen, we don't, we don't back up in our relationship in the Lord in big honking steps. Do it one morning when we decide to talk about things we shouldn't talk about, and we do it in one day, the next day when I start looking at things I should look, and just one little bitty step, I go this place that I wouldn't have gone to last week, but now I'm all right with it, and all of a sudden we find ourselves with no net, and we crash and burn, because above all things, we forgot to guard our hearts. So this morning, the challenge to you is this. Are you ready for the challenge? Here it is. Above all things. Guard your heart. I'm done. Here we go. Listen. Are you telling me to pay more attention to my heart than I pay to my wife? Absolutely. Because if you'll take care of your heart, you'll take care of your wife. Uh, are you telling me that above all things, even above reading the word? Yeah. Because if you guard your heart, guess what you'll do? <laughs> because out of your heart, everything flows. Your, your life flows. And your heart will be turned to the master's voice. And you'll pursue him. Above work, you want, you, you want me to pay more attention to my heart than I pay to my body? Yep. Oh, well, he can fire me. Yeah, I know. But if your heart is right, You'll work harder for him than anybody else. The wise man said this, above all things, guard your heart. When is the last time you checked your heart? What heart condition did you walk in here with this morning? Is your heart dented? Is your heart distracted? Is your heart deceived or is your heart devoted? 
and singularly focused on him. Mike, if you'll help me. This is how we're going to do this this morning, twofold. I'm going to ask, this is going to be a weird dismissal. Because you're going to get to dismiss yourself. If you're here for the first time, make sure you get your cookies. Can't miss that, man. That's like Holy Ghost experience when you get to eat those cookies. They're good. We need to stop and fall on our knees and repent for our nation and ask God to bring revival again. But above all things, guard your heart. So this is how we're going to dismiss this morning. I, I'm just releasing you to take an, more than 30 seconds because I know how this normally goes. We don't know how to pray anymore, so we just spend 30 seconds. Get up, go. No, listen. I'm asking you to spend two minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you need. This is all on you. This is between you and God. What I'm going to ask you to do this morning is you're physically able. I want you to turn and find the altar. You say, well, I don't see one. Yes, you're sitting on it. That's, that's the altar right there. I want you to find you a place to pray. Maybe you do need to come to this stage and, and, and kneel down. Whatever you need to do, I need you to find yourself a place and spend some quality time checking your heart so that you will be spiritually in the right place to pray for our nation and join forces with over a million other people praying for our nation this morning. And so this morning, I dismiss you to do a heart check. Where are you in your journey with Him? You're dismissed this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.